Amen. Thank you so much, Tim, and worship team. God bless you for being here today. Welcome to Pebble Creek and those who are outside and those who are listening over the Internet. Welcome to all of you. Uh, I, I like to read philosophy, some. And the greatest philosopher I've ever read gave a great statement one time outside the Bible. He said, there's no greater burden than a great potential. That was Charlie Brown in the Peanuts comic strip. There's no greater burden than a great potential. That's true, isn't it? It's a great burden to have, to have great potential. I told some of you once, I was speaking at a church in another state a long time ago. Church I knew well, I used to live in that area. And um, I sat down beside the young pastor, he'd only been there a month and he uh, leaned over to me before I got up to speak he said I'm so excited about the potential of this church and I leaned over to him and I realized later how condescending it sounded but I said this I said young pastor it's going to be your job to find out why it's just potential he said what I said in every church in every life there is great potential, but there's a reason why it's potential and not reality. It's going to be your job to find out why and to try to help it reach its fullest potential. But that's true for all of us, isn't it? There's no greater burden than a great potential. We all have potential to be something great for the Lord, but we've not gotten there yet, have we? No one that I know has reached that fullest of potentials. No one that I know has gotten it all right yet, right? Well, the Apostle Paul dealt with that. There's no doubt about it. The Apostle Paul struggled even toward the end of his life. He really did. As I have been a pastor a long time, I've seen many people struggle. I've struggled, in all honesty. And there are three ways that many people deal with that struggle. Some just fake it. Some just fake it. So in order to try to deal with the potential that's not reality, they just put on a good face, put on a good game. How are you doing? I'm great. I'm growing in the Lord. I'm wonderful. And say, so put on a good show. They just fake it. Others force it. They move themselves into just moving into the Christian work that, that out, of, out of sheer willpower and just a desire to get it right. They force themselves into every Bible study, everything they can do. Now, nothing ever changes, but they force the growth from the outside through that nervous energy or sheer, sheer willpower. And then others just forget it. Say, listen, I've tried, I've tried, I can't make it, I'm not good enough. I've given up. I'm not going to ever even try it anymore. One person said to me years ago, I can't even call myself a Christian anymore. I've just given up. Well, those are three sad ways to try to grow and to make that potential actuality or reality. And that is to experience true transformation. Well, there are better ways to do it than just faking it forcing it or forgetting it. 
And Paul gives us those keys to hopeful living. And so I want you to look with me to powerful, my favorite powerful passage in all the Word of God, chapter 3, Philippians, verse 12. Now, this is the last time we're going to deal with Philippians in a few weeks because we're going to go back to John and finish up the Gospel of John as we go through the Easter season. But today we are still in Philippians chapter 3, beginning with verse 12. What a powerful passage. And so Paul, in this actual self-exposure, this self-transparency, says some powerful things. Not that I've already reached the goal. Not that I've already, am already fully mature, but I make every effort to take hold of it because I've also been taken hold of by Jesus Christ. Brothers, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, reaching forward to what is ahead, I pursue as my goal the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. Therefore, all who are mature should think this way. And if you think differently about anything, God will reveal this to you also. In any case, we should live up to whatever truth we have attained. Many writers say Paul was reaching the end of his life when he wrote this, that it would not be long before he would meet an executioner's death in Rome. Some say he was about 60 years of age. He had been striving for high ideals all of his life. First as a Jew, Jewish Hebrew, and then as a Jewish Christian, he strived first to be the best he could be in Judaism and Phariseeism, and then later as a Christian, he had high ideals. Some might call him an overachiever, but he worked hard to do everything he could to be everything he could be. But after all of this, after all that effort, he says, not there yet. I've not gotten there yet. After all of that, he says, I'm, I'm not there. I, I, haven't, I haven't tipped that top scale yet. I, I, I'm not there. I'm not perfect. And so instead of the hopeless gimmicks of faking it, forcing it, and forgetting it, he gives us three keys to hopeful living. So listen, please, carefully to what God's Word says to us this morning. What are the three keys to really living with a hopefulness that takes our potential into reality? How can we really be transformed into the likeness of Christ? First, the first key is humility. First key is humility. Twice in verses 12 and in 13, Paul the Apostle says, I've not reached it. Uh, I've not gotten there yet. But he did not punish himself because he was not there right away. He was able to say, uh, I can see where I am. Now we think of humility as a kind of a self-torture or a self-deprecating humor. But Paul was not torturing himself at all. You see, listen to this. Humility is the ability to see yourself as God sees you and to still love yourself as God still loves you. Did not Romans 5.8 uh, say 
But God demonstrated his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Humility recognizes that we're not where we need to be. But God still loves us. God still loves us. But there's something in us that fears that kind of humility. Something in us that fears it is less than honest, less than forthright. Some of us feel like, oh, that's just giving up. When you say that, you're just giving up. But that's not it at all. You see, God did not wait till we were perfect till He accepted us. He did not say, I'm waiting till you reach your benchmark of perfection before I care for you. I love you. I love you. I love you. Just as you are. I've told you before that I love Billy Graham's autobiography. It's named after his favorite invitation hymn. Just as I am and waiting not. That beautiful hymn that says, come just as you are. Come just as you are. You see, God still loves us. And we should recognize that. Paul did not fake it. He knew who he was and he accepted that God loved him even in his lack of perfection. The first key to true transformation is humility. It's saying, okay, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not putting on any pretense. I'm not there, okay? I am not there. And don't anyone ever go out of this place and say, well, I've made it. I'm there because you're not. No, you're not. The first key is humility. The second key to hopeful living is grace. Look at the middle part of verse 12. We see Paul's basis, really, of hope. He says, I make every effort to take hold of it because I have also been taken hold of by Christ Jesus. You see, Paul could accept his own perfection because God had already acted to overcome it. Listen to me. His hold on Christ was perfect. Why? Because Christ's hold on him was perfect. He could gaze. Now look at this. He could gaze on the goal of complete Christ-likeness without being devastated by his own failings because being devastated by his shortcomings because Christ, who is the goal, was already present in his life. Listen to me. It's like this. He did not possess the goal, but the goal possessed him. See, grace means that God gives us to a gift that which he expects of us. God's grace means that he gives us the means for spiritual rightness. Because that goal that we're looking for already has a hold of us. When we put conditions our own acceptability... We're really diminishing God's grace. Does that mean that we should not work for better behavior, for better lives? No, it doesn't mean that at all. It just means that we must recognize God's grace means He's already accomplished that which we need. Good news is you don't have to be the star football player for God to love you. You don't have to win all the beauty pageants. Some of us were never won any beauty pageants. You don't have to do any of that thing for God, those things for God to love 
you. There's need for achievement, of course. We'll talk about that. But you don't need to force it. God's grace says, I've already got you. I've got you. Through my gift, through Jesus Christ, I've already got you. But last, let's see the third key to hopeful living. It is growth. It is growth in the Lord. And so look at verses 13, really, and 14. Paul being freed now from unrealistic expectations, having experienced the grace of God and God's gift through Jesus Christ, now he could focus his energies on growing. And so Paul gives us powerful ammunition in our spiritual life. Forgetting, pursuing. Forgetting that which is behind, I'm pursuing that which is ahead. And so we see growth as this third key to hopeful living. So forgetting what was behind, I want to move on toward perfection. Perfection meaning that I'll never be without sin? No. Perfection meaning I'm living toward that goal for which God made me. I want to be what He made me for. You see, a part of being perfected is learning to forget that which lies behind. Look what he said in verse 13. He says, forgetting what is behind. Forgetting what is behind. Friends, there are some things in this world we need to forget. There are some things we need to let go of. There are accomplishments sometimes that are, are besetting us so much that we can't grow. What do I mean by that? I've done a lot of study on church growth. Do you know what one of the greatest impediments to a church's great future is? A great past. I can tell you when I go into a church, if they are struggling because all they want to do is talk about what it used to be like. They are, oh, you know what it was like back in the 60s and 70s here? Oh, this church was this or this or this. And they're always living in the past. And sometimes we can do that way in our own spiritual walk. We're looking back to those days. Oh, man, I remember when I time when I was doing this or I was doing that. Well, bless you. Maybe you ought to let that go too. Or as indeed we know, many times we know we have failed the Lord so badly, we need to let it go. God already has. Now, that's hard for me to do. Hard for you to do. It's hard for me. I still struggle with that. I still struggle with that regularly. How can I let go of the past? God let go of it. Part of being perfected is learning to forget that which is behind. Some of you say, well, Pastor, I, I, I just can't forget. Well, can you move past it? Oh, it'll always be as there's a reminder that you're not who you should have been. But friends, I'm telling you, if you just live and dwelling on that, you will never move into the future. You say, well, okay, well, I'm not going to forget it, but... I'm going to choose where to put my focus. That's really what Paul is saying. He's saying, I have chosen to pursue a greater life ahead of me. You see, we, uh, we waste God's precious time when we try to live in the past. Yes, we regret, but we must not allow them to strangle who we are. We cannot relive not one single second. One other philosopher said, there is no distance on this earth as far away as yesterday. Nobody, no matter how powerful, wealthy, smart you may be, can relive a single moment. That's why Paul says we need to make every moment count. That's why Paul is saying we ought 
to really move forward. You see, God is not a perfectionist in the sense of demanding perfection now. He does want us to grow. He just wants to know, are you stronger in the Lord now than you were last year? Are you stronger than you were 10 years ago? All I want to know is, are you moving closer toward me? You see, the Christian life is a journey toward a destination. It is a journey toward a destination. Look at verse 14. I pursue as my goal the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Jesus Christ. That was Paul's sunum bonum of life. That's what he was his highest goal. He wanted it so desperately. I just want to be like Christ. Do you ever remember when you had small children? When you would go on a trip to grandma's house? What did you have to hear over and over? Are we there yet? Sometimes they'd be asking that as you drove out the driveway. Are we there yet? Well, sometimes as adult Christians, we need to say, no, we're not there yet. But we're on the road. We're not there yet, but we're in process. We're in progress. You see, the Christian lives in a state of tension between the already and the not yet. The already and the not yet. So there must be a commitment to grow. Oh, it's not easy to admit that we're not where we ought to be. I mean, at my age, I'm not where I ought to be. We're, we're, it's not easy to admit that. It's not something that we want to just say, okay, look how long I've wasted. But we've all wasted time, haven't we? But we need to understand transformation is not just for the deluxe model of the Christian. It's for every one of us. As one writer said, it's not just for the fast lane on the narrow road. It's for all of us. So we must act. What did Paul say in verse 16? In any case, we should live up to whatever truth we have attained. So it's time to act. It's time to move forward. It's time to let go of the past and say, yes, Lord. Fake it. Force it. Forget it. Those are gimmicks. Paul says there are three ways that you need to move forward. And that is in humility. That is in grace. And that is in growth. You see that? Where there's humility, there's hope. No faking it. Where there's grace, there's hope. No forcing it. Where there is growth, there is hope. No forgetting it. Would you read that out loud with me, please? Where there is humility, there is hope. No faking it. Where there is grace, there is hope. No forcing it. Where there is growth, there is hope. No forgetting it. Father God, we thank you for your precious word. Lord, we thank you that you have a message for every one of us today. Lord, none of us are where we ought to be. But God, I pray we are on the road to where we need to be. Help us to let go. To let go of where we have been. And to press on to where we need to be. Recognizing all along, Father... That through Christ, you've already accepted us. Oh Lord, may we mean that. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.